Welcome to the Humane Roundup Podcast, where we share all the exciting stories about animal cruelty investigations, dangerous animals, and amazing rescues. Find out what goes on inside of animal shelters and all the current trends in the animal welfare industry. Now, here is your host, Daniel Edinger. Episode 72 is getting started with our co-host Ashley Bishop. What is going on? Hello, hello. How are you doing this morning? Dreading going back to work tomorrow. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, well, we kind of talked about it last episode that my busy time is coming and um, I currently have five dog bite cases going at once and three of them are dangerous dogs Jeez. um but like just to take a second here at the beginning um i had probably one of the most insane cases that i've had as far as dog bites go on friday what Um, happened (laughs) so i get a call for a dog at large and we've got a guy in the neighborhood who We frequently get dog barking calls, um, but the description met his dog. And I'm like, oh, it's his dog. Like, no big deal. I'll just go over and, you know, return the dog back to him and talk to him about licensing. Um, And I'm rolling up. And in an unusual manner, I roll up and I'm seeing the dog go running across the street. I'm like, holy shit, I'm actually going to be able to find one this time because you it's know, rare. have the yeah, yeah exactly. Rare. They're they're gone usually. Mm-hmm. And he goes running across the street. So I go and um tell him like or I, I turn the corner and as I turn the corner, because of course the call came in that the dog was growling at somebody. Well, you know what? I'd growl at somebody just on the street that I didn't know too. Like I don't take that as a <laughs> sign of aggression all the time. And I turn the corner and I have four adults in the middle of the road and two dogs in the middle of a dog fight. Just screaming, howling. And one of the adults has got a one of the shorter um, cat trees over her head because she's going to come down and hit the dog with it. Got to do what you got to do at that point. Right. And I and I get that. But it was. Looking back, it was kind of funny to see that she's got... I don't know how she thought to grab that first. Yeah, she just uh, has a cat tree laying around. She's like, right? a dog with this. <laughs> um, so it ended up being... I mean, this dog was tethered in its fenced-in yard. And Wait, broke what? the tether. Yeah, oh, it, it broke. Okay. It broke the tether and then jumped the fence. And was wandering around. And then, of course, you know, it's got a harness on. And and somebody grabs the one dog off the other dog. Luckily, nobody was bit. But I'm I'm holding this dog by the harness. The harness is loose. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I've got the harness in my hand. And I'm looking at this dog. I'm like, oh, you're whale-eyeing me. Like, this is not going to go down well. What kind of dog did you, did you say it was? She was told it was a quote-unquote pit bull mix. Now... Okay. Uh, I don't know what your opinion is. I don't, I strongly believe that there's no such thing as a pit bull. It is a pit bull type dog. It encompasses sure. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked more like a Rottweiler to me. 
Okay. Um, so, I mean, we're talking a good 80 to 100 pound dog. Okay. And so I've got his, yeah, and I've got his harness and he had gone over it. The dog he attacked was a husky mix, of course. So this thing is just screaming bloody murder because it's a husky. And I reach in my pocket to grab my leash because I'm going to put my leash on because I don't trust this harness. And he snaps at me. Um, I did not get bit. uh, And luckily he then started running towards home where his owner was running to come up to us. So. Um, and the owner was absolutely phenomenal. I told her, I said, listen, I'm about 90% sure we're going to declare your dog dangerous. Um, mm. cause, cause I have to talk to a supervisor, mm-hmm. but in this case, like the Husky had, I will be surprised if it didn't need surgery. Cause it had a quite the puncture to its right leg. Like its paw was kind of dangling. Oh, wow. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what all that is. But the owner was really understanding. She's like, I get it. You can't have dogs like this running around. And she's like, he's never done this before, but he had been attacked by other dogs before. The Rottweiler type dog? Yeah. So her see, net- and, then, it, and then they, I feel like then they're like blaming somebody else for their dog's behavior. Well, because it's been attacked before. That's why it attacked today. Right? I don't. Like she, she owned up to it. She, she was all for it. But I think, I think some degree, because he did after the attack, apparently continue to have issues with that side of the fence. And like, he has always had like that gave him some behaviors. Got it. Um, So I think to some degree it did impact the dog. Um, But yeah, I, Five five bike cases right now. So I, I think that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about here in a little bit with Kathy Bustos with, from the that peer support couple. You know, we had part one last week with the Humane Educators of Texas talking about uh, peer support groups. And so dealing with what you dealt with yesterday and then having those five cases, that impacts your mental health, right? Like you're, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's rare. And, and, and a lot of officers may have been there and a lot of officers may have not. When you're in an active situation where, where you have to think quickly, right? You have two dogs entangled. Our tools are a little bit, depending on where you work, our tools are a little bit less than police officers, right? Some some carry tasers, some don't. Uh, obviously, not many of us carry firearms. And so a dog is locked onto another dog, you know, shaking back and forth, biting aggressively. You have your safety to keep in mind, right? You have the public safety that's around you. You have the dog that's being attacked. You know, uh, it's not like you can just stick a brake stick in its mouth and pry the dog's mouth apart. You know, you have to think on your feet and and there's a lot, I would say there's a lot of stress that comes with it because it's a high volatile situation, uh, trying to keep yourself safe and trying to keep others in that animal safe. And so uh, how, did, how did that affect you? Like, are you even, have you even decompressed from it since it's so fresh? Um, well, let me tell you that like that was one of the few cases that I've ever had where I'm trying to get everybody's information and my hand was shaking so bad from the adrenaline dump mm. that like, I'm, I'm trying to write down everything. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to read it on Monday. Um, <laughs> so 
And, and actually, as I'm finishing up that case, they're like, hey, we've got this other bike case. And I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be done at five. If you want me to take it, I will. But yeah. they ended up having another officer take it, which was nice. Um, because after that, I was able to go out with my family. And um, I, I got to decompress by telling my husband about it. But then, you yeah. know, I just, I had the weekend, which was really nice. Um because, you know, then having to go back into that report right away and, you know, figuring all that out the next day would have been a lot harder, I think. You know, and and I just want to relate a little bit, and I think we all can, and, and that's what I'm excited about this show for is, is that peer support is on, so I work on Saturdays and we, we record on Sundays, obviously, and so, you know, yesterday we got this expectation that it was going to be like, we're supposed to get this like major snowstorm. And I guess it was pretty late. And so finally it showed up today, but yesterday I was thinking, all right, it's going to be snowy. Like I'm going to have, you know, basically some time to get some administrative stuff done. There won't be many calls coming in. Um, But my plate was pretty full. I had two tickets that I had to upload. I had another case I was investigating for cruelty and neglect that is is pretty significant it's not one of those like just easy ones you know you got to call the vet and get prior vet reports you got to call another animal shelter that has may may have seen the dog you have to have your vet do an examination you have to write all these reports on top of that i had an administrative citation that i was working on so i have four cases in front of me right and then check this out and then um you know being a snow day or a day that we thought we were going to have snow, you know, trying to offer my services to help out in the animal shelter, right. To, Cause they're, they're busy, right. They don't have um, full staff cause they, you know, they're preparing for the snow. And so offering my services to be like, Hey, I'll clean kennels for you. I'll help here. I'll do this. Cause I want to help them so they can get out on time. All that stuff kind of accumulates, no pun intended to, <laughs> to that stress, to that burnout. And, you know, I'm excited to have Kathy here today and, and really talk, talk to her about her experiences and kind of certain tangible things we can take away from today and apply to our daily routine. Because uh, if we don't handle that stress, it, it does create burnout. And so uh, I know I've been there and, and I know other officers have been there as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I did mention this kind of last week too, that I, I think I've probably had burnout. I know last week I said, well, I don't know. I'm sure I've been burned out and just didn't know it. Cause there's a lot of times where it's just like, okay, I need to, I'm, I'm living for the weekend and I'm sure that's part of it. So I just kind of want to clarify that, but yeah. yeah. And and I think Kathy might give some more insight on what burnout looks like uh, too. And and that's good to hear an expert's opinion. So let's bring her on. Yeah and introduce our next guest who is Kathy Bustos, the co-founder of that peer support couple. And in that website is Kathy and, is it Javi? Javi, so, yes. Yeah, J-A-V-I. Kathy and, Kathy and Javi.com. So check that out. How's it going, Kathy? Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, I was listening to Ashley's story and I remembered listening to Tabitha and Kelly on the segment that I, I listened to yesterday and hearing Ashley talk about how she had been lucky and may, maybe or maybe not had suffered com, from compassion fatigue. And, and I remember thinking at that time, 
it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when because mm -hmm. y'all mm -hmm. you do work and i'm gonna my texas is gonna come out i use the word y'all a lot <laughs> y'all do work in an environment where things can get chaotic and as you were describing your your incident yesterday my body started reacting and the cortisol was dumping and things like that because I can visualize the chaos that you were going through with all that. So yeah. I, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, eight years and I've never come up on anything like that before. <laughs> so Kathy, before we jump in, let our, let our listeners know a little bit about you and how the, that peer support couple got started. So I was a police officer. I retired after 25 years in law enforcement from a central, central Texas agency. And of course, as a law enforcement officer, married to a law enforcement officer, we had both gone through multiple critical incidents, substantial critical incidents of line of duty death, a coworker attempted suicide. And then uh, my husband was involved in a shooting. And they those last three things that happened pretty much broke us as individuals and as a couple. And we were headed to just be another law enforcement statistic. And, and we made the decision that we were not going to go down that road, that we were going to get help. And so we did. And around 2013, 2014, we decided to that we were going to pay it forward. We felt like we were in a good place. We had worked really hard to get where we were at. And we were going to pay it forward. So we started um, doing peer support. I had been trained in peer support since the 90s for first responders. And uh, my husband was trained in 2012. But we decided we were going to pay it forward. And we became peers at uh, Law Enforcement Management Institute of Texas. It's called PCIS, Post-Critical Incident Seminar. And we're able to help fellow first responders um, kind of move through the trauma that they've endured. So that's how we got started, was just in an effort to heal ourselves and then to pay it forward to help other first responders. And then we started telling our story uh, nationally at conferences and things like that, where we talk about what we did to get through these critical incidences and save our marriage. Well, and that's a, something I think we'll segue into. Uh, law enforcement has such a high turnover in marriage, right? Such a high divorce rate. Uh, yes. And so... As we go along, I'd like to hear more about that. But when you say save your marriage, is that something you wanted to share with us on the on the program? Um, well, I'm, it's just the, our path forward. We we started attending marriage retreats, marriage marriage and law enforcement retreats. We started doing research. We went to counseling and did a lot of different things because we were again. Uh, and at this time, I didn't know anything about animal control statistics, but we were headed down the same road of many law enforcement officers and getting a divorce and having another failed marriage and splitting up a family. So um, we made the decision that we were going to save our marriage and that's what we did. Fantastic. And so that kind of propelled, was that the start of the company at that point? That was the start. My husband actually started a Facebook a group called uh, helping officer involved shooting trauma. And it was specifically, specifically geared around officers who had been involved in a shooting. We we appeared in the documentary Officer Involved. Patrick Shaver did a documentary about officers who had been involved in a shooting and how they were affected by it. Kind of shows the humane side of law enforcement officers who've been involved in a shooting 
as opposed to what you see in the media currently. I just wanted to point out, I, I read through your bio and something that you mentioned is uh, when you just brought up the word humane and here on the humane roundup, we always keep it mm -hmm. humane. However, something that really stood out to me was uh, you mentioned that, and I use this a lot too, is that that macho, um, that macho kind of persona that these police mm -hmm. officers have, and it's okay to like be in your feelings. It's okay to to feel a certain way. And so I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up. And it sounds like you kind of talk about that as well. Yes. And we're in law enforcement, we're getting there. We are. And like Kelly and Tabitha said, I still animal control is in where law enforcement was in the nineties or further back, but law enforcement still has a long way to go, but we're in a much better place where it's actually being recognized that we are human and that we do have feelings because for a long time, that was not the case. And I think, unfortunately, some a lot of people still believe that. Um, but I, I think we're definitely coming a lot further now. Uh, it, but it's the the public that still believes, you know, the the whole thing of, oh, well, you knew what you were getting into, right? When you took the job, that's what you get paid for. Yeah. And if you think about also that, and then take that into the perception from our community. A lot of these officers that people are dealing with have almost the same personality. They have this robotic delivery about them. Not, not every officer, but there's a lot that they've dealt with. And so it creates this dynamic in the community as well. And so I think if we can break down some of those barriers and, and let cops be humans, right? Uh, Absolutely. I think that changes our, our relationships in our communities. And a lot of it has to do go back to our training because, you know, I started law enforcement in the 90s and a lot of it goes back to basic traffic stop training where you, you have a seven-step approach and you do it this way and you don't deviate from it, you don't express anything, you just very robotic like you said, and it goes all the way back to that. And then we train officers. I know when I was early on in my training, Everything was don't act like a girl. Don't be emotional. Mm. Don't, wow. <laughs> don't share your feelings. You know, and of course, we are much better off than we are now. I, that was in the 90s. Everything that you're taught is not to be emotional, not to express your feelings, because if you do, it's going to get you killed. And so do you believe, forward, do you believe that, though? I, of course, like I go back to my training and uh, I believe that can't stand on a scene of a homicide over a body and cry, of course, um, because of obvious reasons, the, the public perception, the media, and things like that. But you do have to express those feelings after the fact. Can you, and I, I, I guess where I'm going with this is I feel like we can be empathetic, but we can also yes. be professional. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think, yeah, I'm go, go ahead. I was just going to say, making decisions based off emotions may get you killed or may make a case fall apart, um, but you should still be able to embrace and understand your emotions. Right. And I think that somewhere that's where the disconnect happened is that instead of them saying there's an appropriate way to express your feelings, mm. they just ingrained in you that you just don't don't have feelings. Got it. Well, and I so we're a lot better off than. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, you know, I think that comes with the, you know, 
men don't cry and especially yes. with women coming into a field that it was dominated by men well then we were expected to you know be like the men in that aspect and and so now nobody can cry nobody can have show their feelings so that they can just go home and get drunk and you know do recreational things at home to relieve their stress whether legal or good for you or not absolutely that's how we ended up my husband doing the the facebook page for officers who have been involved in a shooting because he wanted other officers to have an outlet and eventually he started training i had him start training in my department for officers who might be in a involved in a shooting and I was over kind of on the side, like throwing little, you know, words of wisdom in from my perspective. And then we ultimately made the decision that this is a family dynamic. This affects the whole family. So we started teaching together. That's how we ended up with that peer support couple. It's purely, it was purely just a fluke that one day where we, where we peer at, somebody was looking for us. And when they saw us, they go, oh, there's that peer support couple. And that's how we ended up with the name. So it's kind of that's a little cool. joke. <laughs> that's cool. So as we transition into the animal welfare industry as a whole, uh, the officers were, were one part of it. But with, then we have our animal care mm -hmm. attendants. We have our you know customer service people that deal with the adoptions or reclaims. It, it stresses it stretches across the entire profession where i guess my question to you and i asked this last week and about i'm pretty much asking it on every show do you consider just in your own perspective animal protection officers as first responders i absolutely do i i can safely say that up to about maybe 4 to 5 years ago i didn't okay but I've had a transition, and I know Tabitha talked about it a little bit, but uh, I'm, I'm going to confess on myself, so I'll, I'll take any shame that y'all want to throw my way. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Tabitha was pretty modest in the fact that we met while we were going to college. Tabitha actually got me through college by tutoring me in algebra. Uh, I started college late in life and, and have since gotten my bachelor's degree in psychology, and I'm working on my master's degree in counseling. But that's where Tabitha and I met. And so I like to call this my broken road where I'm at now. Uh, my last assignment as a lieutenant at my department that I retired from was over animal control. I was over several different units and animal control was one of them. And so I had met Tabitha and then I became supervisor over animal control. And of course, I was a typical police leader at that time. Yes, animal control is part of my assignments and, you know, I'll help them to the best of my ability, but it's animal control. And sure. I don't, I don't say any of this proudly, but I, I am going to offer a full confession that he had a pretty serious uh, injury. Uh, Cane Corso attacked one of its owners and almost ripped her arm off. And it was a very bloody scene, as I'm sure y'all can imagine. Mm -hmm. And next few days my animal control supervisor came into my office and she asked me uh, if animal control could be a part of the, the peer support team and i've said 
well, you can, but why? And I know that y'all are, are sh shrilling now about what I said, but um, I just didn't understand. Can I, can I just ask really quick, in your mind as a police lieutenant dealing with, you know, you're dealing with homicides, you're dealing with uh, like sexual assaults, you're dealing with all sorts of stuff. And then here comes the dog catcher, right? Like, oh, you just deal with dogs. Like you're all your, like, Absolutely. is that your mentality? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And I'm not, and I'm not proud of that. And I've made a great transition since then. Uh, that was my, that was my mentality. You go out, people love you because you bring your dogs home to, you bring their dogs mm. home and you know, every once in a while you might have to write a ticket, but that's, that's just part of the job. And a lot of that came from my training, you know, and my evolution as a police leader is that all civilians that work within the first responder community need mental health help. But at that time, I was not there yet. Mm -hmm. I was thinking as a typical police leader and all the horrific things that law enforcement has to go through that animal control does not have to go through. And I was not thinking about what they did have to go through. See. She really took me to task on that. And uh, it, it made me you know, it made me change a little bit of my perspective about it, but then I retired shortly after that. Okay. So fast forward, I'm retired, I'm going to classes and Tabitha contacts me and says, hey, I know y'all are doing this, you know, all over the country teaching law enforcement about mental health uh, care and treatment, but would you consider teaching animal control? And I said, absolutely, I would. And uh, let me just do some research. And we met and after my research, I know they said that I was almost in tears. And, and of course, that's close to the truth because I had no, no idea at that time what animal control welfare workers actually went through and all the calls that they had been through. And I learn each time how much worse it can get. Every time I teach a compassion fatigue course, for humane educators, I learn how horrific it can be for, and I like to call them animal welfare warriors. Um, but oh, sorry, that's so, the acronym. I like that. Got Aww. it from a book about awesome. animal welfare, uh, uh, compassion fatigue for animal welfare, welfare warriors. Um, is a fascinating book, and if anybody's out there, they should get it. I give away copies in my course, but it's an excellent book for animal welfare. Can you give warriors. us that, that title one more time? It's called To Save a Starfish. Okay. It's a compassion fatigue workbook for the animal welfare warrior. Got it. Awesome. I, so I've evolved in my thought process and now, you know, I'm stalking Tabitha and Kelly to try and get the message out there. Because uh, every class I learn a little bit more and I see a little bit more of the uh, human toll that, that working with the animal community can cause. Can we back up That's just where I'm at? Yes. Just really quick. I, I just wanted to touch on something and uh, I find that I, I want your opinion on what's the best way. One of my big things here on the show <clears throat> and Ashley hears me talk about it all the time is changing that perception, not only within our community, but within our, within our partners. Right. And so a lot of the law enforcement officers that we deal with only know us from, Hey, we got a DUI suspect. We're going to arrest. There's a dog in the car. Can you come pick it up? Right. Absolutely. And they're not there where I'm out, uh, you know, in a, in an apartment building surrounded by, you know, 
no entrance or no no way to escape easily. Like I'm, I'm a sitting target and I have mm-hmm. to take somebody's family member. I have to remove this family member from a DV situation, right? And so Bye. we're not we're not armed. Um, half of us don't even have um, bulletproof vests. The other half of us don't even have like a direct uh, dispatch to police dispatch, right? Um, they may not even have radios. And so we're so, we're, we're still in the profession from our peers. We're still seen as, ah, it's just a dog catcher. Why do they need that stuff? And so how do we, how do we work towards changing that perception that, yeah, these, this is animal law enforcement. They're, they're doing the same job in a lot of ways that you're doing as a police officer. And oftentimes they're with, in no disrespect to police officers, but a lot of ways of the ways that a lot of police departments are formatted, like an investigation gets given to a detective or an investigator. We, we pretty much do all of it. Right. So yes. we go out, we make the contact and then we have to put everything together on the case. Whereas a lot of our patrol officers, they'll go out, they'll do their, their stuff, they'll do a report. And then that goes to an investigator. So not only are we dealing with the same people, but our workload seems to uh, even have more on it because we have to do the investigation part as well. And you're doing it with a lot less protection. Yep. And, and about, yeah. less resources in general. Yes. 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 So I think uh, Tabitha and Kelly are doing such a wonderful job here in our area with education and training. They have a leadership course for people who investigate. Um, I'm sorry, for, for leaders who supervise animal welfare workers. They're teaching supervisors. What we have to work on is getting the supervisors to go. That is something that we're still working on in law enforcement is to get our leaders to be involved in the training regarding mental health. And some are better than others. But I think just word of mouth, constantly getting it out there, what I'll have to go through. And I think where a little bit better job could be done amongst animal control officers, who, especially those that work for law enforcement agencies, is to let your supervisors know your daily, what you go through. And I think that's how we educate and we move forward is in letting them know, because I really had no idea when I took over animal control what they actually did, other than, you know, catch dogs and write tickets to people. Mm. And so I think as animal welfare professionals, we y'all need to do a better job. And I'm not I'm not shaming y'all of educating your leaders about what you go through on a daily basis. They will listen. And I'm not guaranteeing that they will, but if they do, um, I think that would be very beneficial. It needs to be open communication on both sides. Well, and I think when I started in this industry, there was a and Ashley, you work for a police department. I never have, uh, but you know, I've worked for uh, humane societies and or you know, kind of municipalities. But I've always felt like in this industry, there's like a a lot of the officers that I've worked with in the past had this uh, kind of mentality that, well, I'm a subordinate to a, a police officer, and I see us as equals. I don't see us right. as subordinates, and I think when you act that way, it's possible that maybe you're not taken as serious. And so one of, one of the things that I've done and all through being respectful, like I'm, I'm not disrespectful whatsoever, hmm. but I, every contact I make, whether it's with a community member or uh, 
a, a law enforcement uh, partner is I try to educate and I try to say things like, hey, I know you called me out here for, um, you know, this DUI or mm-hmm. you know, whatever to pick up a dog. Just if you're ever in a situation and you're out on a DV call and you see a skinny dog or the dog's limping, if you wouldn't mind just calling that in so we can take a look at it. Because a lot of them don't know about the link, right? Or they don't, right. they don't know a certain things to report. And so I find that we can help change some of the perception just by each contact that we make. And then if you, if you do have the opportunities to do trainings uh, for your PD departments, you know, we, uh, I'm grateful I have an opportunity to, to teach in the police academy. And so getting that opportunity to have face-to-face time and talk about some of the things that we do can really help uh, change some of those perceptions as well. Absolutely. And the, the and the supervisors, I mean, if, if, our, if my supervisor hadn't taken me to task that day, and she did it very respectfully, don't get me wrong, but uh, if she had not taken me to task that day, I probably I likely would have retired and never thought another thing about it. Um, so I'm thankful for her every day that she brought me into this level of education regarding animal welfare professionals. And I, I think part of that, though, too, is... Um, you know, like Dan said, I work for a police department and I would agree, Dan, that, I mean, even within my own department, they know my, so I, I technically work with two different police departments and it's very interesting to see where one department, they're just like, yeah, you go do you, you know what you're doing, go ahead and do it. And the other department is taking calls and stuff. I had a supervisor at the other department um, they call me just to check on rabies vaccines for a dog. And I'm like, well, what do you got going on? And they're like, oh, it's a dog bite. And I'm like, um, I'm on my way. So I get there and I said to the sergeant, I said, did I not get called? Cause it was a medical call. And he looks at me and he goes, no, I didn't have him call you. Cause the dog was running loose at the time. And I'm like, what the hell do you think I do? <laughs> like they, they, they have no idea what I do. Um, I'm lucky enough that my direct supervisor seems to get it. Um, Mm -hmm. she actually sits down. She, she will go through the ordinances with me and, and figure out case by case if I need it, because I'm the only one. It's the people above her Mm -hmm. that are kind of stuck in this mentality. You can tell them you know, until you're blue in the face, like, hey, I need this. Hey, you know, this is something that's going on. We've got a lot of this. And I I don't get support and it's coming from above. So right. I'm glad that you people like me. But but there's not as many of you. You were willing right. to change your mind on the profession. Um and I think it's a matter of we need to continue to speak up and and get other organizations, you guys, NACA, mm-hmm. Code 3, other places to say, hey, these are first responders. They do matter. Their mentality does matter. They go through shit. You know? Yeah, it's got to be about education. Uh, like I said, Humane Educators does a wonderful job. They they talk about it everywhere they go. They talk about every class they teach. They talk about mental health. You, Daniel, when you teach in the police academy, you can also spread this message in the police academy. 
that new officers are coming in with a different mentality about animal control. And that's the only way this is going to move forward. It's systemic in that sense, right? You start getting the seed there. Yes. And we, we have great relationships with our law enforcement. And, you know, I think if we can continue to build on that uh, throughout the country, it, it helps make those changes. I want to dial it back into some of the things that we can do on an individual level from our Mm. own feelings of burnout. And, you know, we talk about Tabitha and Kelly starting, you know, the peer support group in Texas. And and then you, Ashley, talking about how we need to get NACA more involved and Code 3 more involved. And we'll check in with NACA, I think, uh, in a couple episodes about what they have going on. and, And we'll bring it up to them. And they may have something like that. We we have a couple, and Kathy, I don't know if you're on Facebook, but we actually have a few private groups that mm-hmm. are designated for officers. And so like, you know, it's just social media. A lot of people post things, yes. you know, I dealt with this, I dealt with that. The, my biggest pet peeve with that or my biggest like issue is I go there looking for support. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of times where I'll post something and people will just eat me up. Right. And they, they become so critical. And I feel yes. part of it, part of it is their own, like they're getting out their angers, their frustrations from their own issues, right. and taking it out on you as the, as the officer. I don't go there looking for that. I'm going there looking for support. And so how do we as a profession on a bigger level, like what is some advice we can do to either create some smaller support groups or contact you if we need to, where, where are you at with that? Well, I think the the saying is that we like to say is hurt people hurt people. Mm. And so when you when you get on these Facebook groups and and you're actually looking for support, the animal welfare profession is no different than the law enforcement profession. Typically, we're all type A personalities. We eat our own. Even in this day and age, we're very hard on each other. Can we just say that one more time? Hurt people hurt hurt people. people. Wow. Yes. And, and that's the most, you know, when you think about that, it's absolutely so true because when my supervisor talked to me about being better with animal control, I was still healing myself. And so it's taken an evolution to where I'm, I'm feeling mentally well and, of course, can have a lot more empathy for other people who are struggling. And that's where we try and pay it forward. We have an entire industry of animal welfare professionals who are hurt, who have been hurt working in this industry, and we need to do a better job of taking care of them. Absolutely. Uh, it's great work that you're doing, and you know I'm looking forward to continuing to build on this. So as far as if you're in Texas, clearly reach out to Tabitha and Kelly, the Humane Educators of Texas. And check out their their website as well for upcoming trainings. And they can check out your web, website as well, too. Do you mind giving us that, Kathy? It is the Facebook page is called That Peer Support Couple. And we have started incorporating animal where welfare professional articles, like scholarly articles and information for animal animal welfare professionals. And our website is Kathy C-A-T-H-Y and Avi J-A-V-I. And we have articles and things like that on here. And I and I keep talking that I'm going to write an article for one of the animal welfare professional magazines. And, and I just need to do that. 
but we just need to get a broader range of education and a broader range of mental health care for the animal welfare professional industry. And we do that by baby steps, just like we did in law enforcement, just baby sure. steps every day, do something that's going to educate your leaders and the public about what you do. So maybe for everyone listening, go check out that Facebook page, check out their website, uh, reach out to us here on the Humane Roundup. You know, we touched on something today that one of our listeners actually sent us an email about, which, which we're going to get into in some later episodes, but managing uh managing officers, managing animal control officers and, and kind of how, what's the best way to manage these A-type personalities, these people that, you know, have, you know, we're, we're all sensitive beings, right? And so mm-hmm. sometimes it can be hard, but also what, what do we as like just the regular officers look for in managers? And I thought it was a great email and mm-hmm. we don't really have time to go through it all today, but you kind of talked on that today. And I think it's, again, creating time to actually listen and, and being yes. open to being coached up. Uh, that's a phrase that my director has used in the past. And I really liked uh, hearing her I say like that. that. Was, yeah. Like being a, a good leader is someone who can be coached up. Right. So uh, not always there, you know, there are certain managers that have this like, well, I'm the boss. So you have to listen to me. And it's mm-hmm. like the good managers are the ones that are like, you know what? That's actually uh, that actually could really help. I don't need, I don't need the credit for that. I, I just want to make sure it helps our department grow. And so being open to being coached up, I, I think is super important as well. Uh, kind of dropping that ego, if you will. And so uh, the back to some of the tangible things, I think it's just important for people that are listening to even try with your own state association. Hey, can we create, this is what my, my recommendation would be. Can we create something on our state association website, maybe it's password protected or an email goes out to all its members uh, as a survey, like, would you like to participate in a peer support group and listing your cell phone number, whether you prefer calls or texts, and then somebody like can just send you a message like, hey, I'm dealing with this case, like I'm frustrated, I don't feel like I get support from my boss, mm-hmm. and having that opportunity to talk it out, you know, starting on the state level, uh, and then continuing to build on that, even even in your own department, you know? That's what happened in, that's what happened in law enforcement, is the National Fraternal Order of Police sent out a survey to law enforcement, and that is what, that survey is what has advanced peer support community within law enforcement is that survey and people feeling that they would trust peers much more than they would trust outsiders or supervisors or things like that. So that's where the the peer support movement has gotten so far in law enforcement. So that survey is a great idea. Start with that. You know, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, you you know, you're talking about state organizations. Obviously we both know that not every state has one. I'm willing to say that I think that if somebody needs something, always reach out to us at the Humane Roundup. You can do it through Facebook Messenger. There's the, mm-hmm. um, on our website, you can reach out to us anonymously and then like you can connect with us. The, the anonymous one, it's hard for us to reach back out to you, but mm-hmm. I'd be willing to keep it confidential. If somebody needs to talk, I'm here and I'm sure you are too, Dan. And yeah, I know that and, Tabitha, yeah. Tabitha and Kelly feel the same way. They're absolutely, and they've been trained in, in peer support. 
And so they're absolutely on the same page if you run into somebody that needs a peer. Uh, I know that y'all are available and also Kelly and Tabitha. I'm throwing them out under the bus. <laughs> you know, they, they are available um, and they're, they're great resources. Uh, they, they both have that type of energy that honestly, they just make you feel good. You know, they, they're supportive. They're funny. Uh, if, you know, if you want to go out and have drinks with them, I'm sure as long as you buy Tabitha would be okay with it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> and in all fairness, like, like Ashley was saying, the, the reality is like, look, sure, I have a life. I have a girlfriend. I have kids. I have a, a job. I have all this stuff. Regardless of all that, I will make time for you if you're in a situation mm -hmm. where you're like, man, I just need to talk to somebody. Like, I'm not feeling like we know that this profession weighs on people. You know, I've been in it 10 years now. I've dealt with my ups and downs of compassion, fatigue, burnout, frustration, stress, all that stuff. You know, I've been divorced. I, I've lived it. Right. And so, if you, you, like, I can't force you as a listener or you, somebody dealing with some of this compassion fatigue, but I'm, I'm a full supportive person when it comes to mental health awareness and, and help. I think that we all should, you know, just like we, you know, do certain things in life, like mental health is not, um, is not taboo. It's not something that like, right. oh, if you see a counselor, you're, something's wrong with you. Like we are a very complicated being and if we don't have certain support around us we can feel lost and so some of you whether you're in a big city or a small city um, you know I, I talk to quite a few of our, of my peers regularly and, and it might just be like normal fun banter conversation and that's fine too but if you ever have an issue if you're ever just feeling alone um, I've seen and heard you know where, where people you know take their lives because they're so frustrated or can't can't handle certain things. And so I just want everyone to know uh, that Ashley's here. I'm here. Kathy's there. We have the Humane Educators of Texas. And I guarantee you, there are several other people uh, industry-wide that are willing to be a peer support person to help you out. So uh, don't ever hesitate to reach out. We have the compassion fatigue training pretty regularly at Humane Educators. If anybody wants to attend the training, they can just go to the Humane Educators website. Because it's, I know Kelly said it, or Tabitha said that um, it's kind of an eight-hour therapy session. And we do, we do get into a lot of personal stories. But we kind of rip the Band-Aid off of, of letting them know it's okay to tell your story. And you're going to survive it. Absolutely. Are you pretty much just based out of Texas at this point for those trainings? I am, but we travel, me and my husband travel, uh, you know, to anybody that wants to get this training, we do travel for the most part as far as the animal control tra training, um, the compassion fatigue courses I mainly do for uh, humane educators. Okay. But I, we do travel, yes. Well, we really appreciate you joining us today. Is there anything that we didn't chat about that you wanted to make sure our listeners? I think the last thing that I wanted to say is that uh, in regards to trauma and traumatic reactions, I think, Ashley, you have a better understanding from your experience yesterday. But uh, trauma reaction doesn't, the reactions that you have when you're exposed to trauma don't know whether you're a animal control officer or you're a shelter kennel worker or you're a police officer or a firefighter. Trauma is trauma. And it's going to affect everybody in a different way, but it, it causes the same reactions, if that makes sense. And 
I just want people to recognize that and, and get the help that they need. That's a great perspective. Trauma, trauma is trauma, hurt people, hurt people and scared money. Don't make money. And just, just remember all that stuff. (laughs) Um, it's so true though. Uh, trauma is trauma. And I, I think as, as we accept that, uh, we deal with so many traumatic situations, whether, you know, being a first responder on scene to an aggressive, a bite of, of you know, somebody that's been mutilated by an animal or someone that's mutilated an animal. Um, yes. It's trauma. It, it's 100% trauma. So we here on the Humane Roundup appreciate everything you do. I know that peer support couple appreciates everything you do and uh, just want to thank our listeners. We want to thank you, Kathy, for taking the time today. And I think as thank we continue... Yeah, as we continue in this process, as we kind of figure out what this peer support is going to look like on a greater level, uh, we'll check back in with you and check back in with Tabitha and Kelly and and really try to offer some more services. If any of our listeners have questions or want to get in touch with you, please check out your website and uh, check out the Facebook page as well. And we'll have all that stuff in the show notes. So we we just want to make sure everybody is, uh, you know, is, is being heard and has a, a way to communicate with each other instead of just saying like, oh, well, I mean, it sounds like they're there to help, but we really are here to help. So all you have to do is reach out. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ashley, are you, guess- are you okay now? I'm not trying to make this a public thing. If you want to contact me behind the scenes, that's fine. But I just wanted to make sure you were okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I am. I mean, it was obviously a very, the whole week was very stressful i'll admit that so that probably compounded it um and you know granted maybe i'm one of those people that just kind of suppresses things which is not good hey, listeners are you listening <laughs> don't suppress <laughs> um but you know like i said i did get to talk to my husband about it and stuff and so i kind of was able to get it off my chest rather quickly because it was at the end of the day which good, i think good. definitely helped and i feel like that's one of the things like the, the sooner you can talk about something, mm-hmm. the sooner you can get over that hump and, and relieve that stress from it. Before we go and in, in something, I know we've went a little long today and I think it's okay and it's important. So I'm not really stressing that you bring up that talk to your husband thing and, and you, you hit on something and this has come up in the past where I feel like it's extremely important to have an outlet. There are people in Kathy, maybe you can give perspective because of the law enforcement component that you've dealt with in your career. There are people that have this mentality and I think it's just a, a roadblock. I think they do this intentionally is, well, you're not supposed to talk about work with somebody that's not in the profession, right? Right. And that's I think how that's we end BS. up with failed marriages. Facts. Thank you. Yes. That's so true. Thank you for saying that. And it's okay to talk about that with your significant other. And if you don't do that, if you don't do that, they don't know, they don't know what you're dealing with. And then you become manipulative or deceitful, right? Um, You build resentment because they can't relate. If you don't talk to them about what you're dealing with, like Kathy said, it's going to affect your marriage. And you can always talk without giving away the critical details and it's still getting it off your chest. Sure. I mean, they don't need to know who Jane Doe is or whatever. Like they don't, it's not necessary, but if this is your spouse, if this is your significant other, they're not going to tell anybody anyway. Right. Right. And the courts can't compel them to. (laughs) 
Right. right. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's an it's a non-issue. It's more so, in my opinion, it's another uh, like just wall that people that don't want to talk about their feelings put up. Absolutely. <sighs> All right. Well, this was a good episode. I again, we thank you for being on. Check out our website, Humane Roundup. Dot com. Also check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Humane Roundup as well. We have a um, a bunch of stuff on there. We're actually I wanted to put this out there that we are looking for listeners. Uh, so if you're a listener and want to be featured during the week of Animal Protection Officer Week or Animal Control Officer Week, which is the second full week of April. I always get this confused. No, <laughs> so, isn't it the first full week? Yeah, it's probably it falls the first, on the second week of April because it's yeah, yeah, it's the first full week of April, which is probably the second week. What we want to what we want to do is short episodes that week. So if you're listening, uh, please reach out, shoot us a text, uh, email, a message, and we'll get you on. So that way we have something every day that week because we really appreciate you. Remember to check out KathyAndHavi.com. That's C H. Well, I can't spell. <laughs> C C A T H Y A N D J A V I dot com. Kathy and Javi dot com. Check them out on Facebook as well, that peer support couple. And again, here at the Humane Roundup, keep it humane. humane. <laughs> we did it. Thanks again for joining us, Kathy. And thanks Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. Yes, thank you.